we create meal plans, we, we create um, new rituals around food, we create tools that the client can rely on when he or she feels triggered. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. Thanks so much for being here with us, Mindy. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. It's our pleasure. So I would love to jump into this right away and give our listeners a chance to resonate with you. Can you tell us about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, I am a functional nutritionist and an eating psychology coach with a practice dedicated to helping clients transform their relationship with food. And usually it's a relationship with food that has them fearing what food will do to them instead of embracing what it can do for them. And I come to this work as a result of my own recovery experience with years and years of disordered and eating disordered behaviors. And I am dedicated to helping clients get lasting and sustainable healing and to pay it forward. I love that lasting and sustainability. It's pretty easy to do that quick fix kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But, you know, when we are caught up in a the whole realm of diet culture, which can't help us from falling into behaviors that are disordered when it comes to food, and therefore we, we start fearing what food will do to us, um, we're, we're constantly looking outside of ourselves to be fixed. It's when we can connect to the wisdom of our bodies that we can experience that lasting and sustainable healing so tell me tell us about more of your own healing tell us about your healing journey okay well i would say that for about 20 years of my adult life i literally carried the weight of an obsessive fear of again what food would do to me Uh, i restricted my food intake at one point i was two pounds away from hospitalization there were periods as well where I binged, I consistently purged, and my life really pretty much took twists and turns, both in and out of my control. Um, I found myself at the bottom, reached out to my family physician for help. Um, So basically I was doing recovery in a way where I was going for weekly weigh-ins, I was meeting with a therapist, and I was meeting with a dietitian. Essentially, I was being told what I needed to weigh, how I needed to think, and what I needed to eat. But nobody was talking to me about 
what I was really hungry for and how I needed to reframe parts of my story that were no longer serving me. I look at parts of my story that I was attached to that I needed to let go of. And no one explained to me that these disordered eating behaviors were not the problem. They started out as a solution. They started out as a way to help me numb, distract, and avoid what I feared feeling because I deemed those feelings to be intolerable. Okay, so is that, that's what you teach, I'd imagine? You teach when people come and see you, this is what you explain to them. Yeah, I, I do share my story. Um, most of the time when people do see me, they know my story because it's, it's out there for the world to see through social media on my website. Um, and I think what attracts people to my practice is the fact that I've been where they are. But what I offer, Drew, is, is an alternative approach. I offer more than the conventional methodology of in order to be recovered from disordered eating, you have to be willing to eat everything. And this is where I bring the functional nutritionist part of me in. Functional medicine is a systems-based practice where it looks at the systems of the body. All systems are connected. Every body is unique and everything matters. And it also follows the philosophy that all healing starts in the gut. So if we believe that to be the case, and then we look at people who are practicing disordered eating or full-blown eating disorder behaviors, restricting, binging, purging, can you imagine what's happening in the gut microbiome, which is throwing everything off? Then there's the gut-brain connection. So... We need to look at what our bodies are doing with the food that we're eating or not eating. And that's why my approach to healing is different because it's not, while it's not all about the food, I do put an emphasis on the physiology that is driving the psychology and the psychology that's driving the physiology. What is the difference between, so there's a functional nutritionist, there's holistic nutritionist. What is the difference between, I'd imagine there's a handful of other ones. <laughs> is there a difference? Well, you know, I think holistic is more of an umbrella term, you know, meaning we're looking at the whole person. Functional medicine practitioners are specifically trained in the anatomy and the physiology of the body. And then we have a better understanding of how nutrition impacts those systems of the body. It's really... Um, very much nutrition and lifestyle medicine, which is a holistic practice, <laughs> but it's it's definitely more specific. Okay, so a bit more specialized than the, an overall approach to holistic nutrition? Yes. Okay, so tell me when someone comes to see you, I'd imagine you sit down and have some type of consultation. So maybe some of our listeners need to get started in the right direction. I understand that everyone is very specific, but could you give us a generalization of how you would approach someone that comes to see you and how you get started in the right direction? Absolutely. It starts with story. It starts with, and I said this before and I say it a lot, who my client is as an eater. How is she eating? Why is she eating? When is she eating? And we start with taking a deep dive into all of those aspects, creating really a context of where those behaviors are lying and how they originated. You know, we, we start off with thoughts, which become feelings, 
which morph into beliefs, and very often those beliefs drive behavior. Now, when those behaviors are playing out in our relationship with food and body, there can be very serious impact on our health and our mental well-being. So I start with story. Um, what's been going on? How long has this been going on for? When did these behaviors start? What was going on in your life when these behaviors start? And then do a whole exploration into the beliefs that are feeding that story. And then I like to explore the attachment to story, the attachment to the identity, and then explore who will my client be without these behaviors. Because as I said before, these behaviors start out as a solution. They're not the problem. So if they are a solution meant to self-soothe, it's really scary to think about who one will be without these behaviors that create a feeling of safety and security. So it's almost like when you, ch not maybe not change, but you help adjust emotions and maybe that story and habits around food do people feel like they lose themselves or there's a disconnect of this is who i am if you take that away from me i've lost loss of identity maybe well that could be the case without the proper support right my role is to partner with my client on this journey to help her become a master of her own healing. After all, she is the expert of her own experience. My role is to help her see that that experience, if it became maladaptive, no longer serving her well, can be reframed. And there's a better way to achieve the safety and security she's looking for than to rely on behaviors that, while self-soothing, are self-sabotaging and self-destructive. So we come up with alternative tools. You know, we don't want anybody to feel that they're floundering. If, if there's an issue that needs to be managed, then we need to find ways to manage those issues and the triggers to those issues that do so in a way that help not hurt. So for some of our listeners that might be dealing with some type of food concerns that need to be addressed, what kind of tools might you be able to suggest for some of them, given that everyone's different? Yes. I, thank you for saying that. Everybody is different. And I do not have a cookie cutter approach to healing or recovery because everybody has a different story and everybody's story requires that we honor it in a way that um, is unique to the story. But one of my favorite exercises that I share with clients is called the four D's. Delay, distract, determine, and decide. So no matter what your issue is, if you're a restrictive eater, if you are an overeater, a binge eater, and you feel the urge to act out, with food, of course, we're talking now, I ask that you delay the behavior. If you're hungry, but you're deciding that you're going to restrict your food intake, take a pause. If you are called on to attack that pint of ice cream, delay. And I ask that they set a timer, either on their phone or from Amazon. You can get these great looking um, hourglasses that are filled with brightly colored sand. And it's just amazing just, just to look at this. <laughs> so it's, it's incredibly meditative. <laughs> so that's the delay. Then there's the distract. So in that 
few minute delay. Distract yourself. Call a friend. I, I really ask my clients to reach out to me at that time if they have to. Take a shower. Call a friend. Go for a walk. Play with the dog. Whatever it is that can take you away from acting out on that urge. Then you have the opportunity to determine what's going on. And I send a beautiful handout with this exercise. And with the, the instructions for the four Ds is a handout that many people might be um, familiar with called HALT. This is HALT the BS. So it's, are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Are you bored? Or are you stressed? And with each of those would be, you know, a little tip on how to deal with that feeling. After you've determined what's really going on for you, what you are truly hungry for, you can then, the fourth D, decide, decide. Make your food decision based on an empowered choice, how you want to feel. And that's one of my favorite exercises and a favorite of my clients. So when you set that, let's say, for example, they take one suggestion and they set a timer, how long would you suggest setting a timer for? Again, it depends on the client. Some people can only handle a minute and some people like five. So it just depends on the individual and where they're at with. Exactly. And, and I can usually make that determination based on where they are in their recovery journey. So what is the goal with it? with the delay that's instead of making an impulsive decision have some mindfulness behind it and what are you actually doing of course because what happens is very often um let's talk about binge behavior it usually comes on as a sudden urge basically from the lowest part of our brain there are three parts of the brain the lowest part is really like the rodent brain it's the fight or flight or freeze that's where that is sympathetic nervous system activates that when we are in a stress response so it's very difficult to make a conscious decision about how you want to behave when that part of your brain is in charge the middle part of the brain is where the limbic system is that's where your feelings are where your memories are even the memories of grandma's favorite cookie recipe are there we remember that those cookies might have made us feel really good at some time. The rodent brain is going to make you want to reach for your cookies. The highest part of your brain is where your conscious thinking is. So by initiating that pause and the delay, you allow yourself to engage your neural pathways so that you can not act instinctively, but you can make a conscious choice. I love that. That's fantastic. Okay, so what kind of feedback do you get or maybe results when you hear from your clients that say, I actually took some time, I didn't act impulsively, I followed your four Ds, and this is what I've come up with? I heard various messages, and they run the, the gamut from the awareness was so helpful for me, I'm really aware, but instead of eating two pints of ice cream, I ate one. And that's okay, because no change can ever occur without awareness. And for somebody like that, I would suggest that we get curious. Awareness is wonderful, but let's get curious. Why is it that you're feeling what you're feeling? Again, who are you as a eater? And then I have people that are just so grateful for the exercise because they're able to understand the context within which the behaviors are occurring. They're able to make those empowered choices for themselves. And they're finally able to connect 
to the wisdom of their bodies and connect to that vision of, of who they want to be. And what is it around, why do you think it's food? I mean, uh, we're, I'm big into food and what we do. Why is it food that we're always, I don't feel like we're gravitating towards. It's a reward. It's a crutch. It's an addiction. Why is it food? Why isn't it something else? Well, think about this. Jerry. Why isn't it exercise? <laughs> well, there are people that exercise obsessively for that same reward and rush. But think about food this way. Our very first life experience with being seen and heard and nurtured has to do with being fed, right? We survived the, the trauma of, of birth. We're plunged into this bright, cold room, most of us. We're wrapped in a blanket. And the very first thing that we experience is either mother's milk or a bottle. But, but that experience brings with it one in which we are being helped and nourished. That's very important. And as newborns, as, as, as newbies into this world, we really have no sense of self. We're one with our caretaker. And that bond with the caretaker most often has everything to do with food, being fed. As we get older, the messages can change. We, we remember in that limbic system of our brain that we need something, eat food, feel better. That stays with us forever. And depending on the life story and the life experience, our relationship with food could be quite different. It could morph into one that's rewarding. It could morph into one that's punitive. The experience at the family dinner table brings with it a whole host of possibilities messages that we got about our bodies from people who usually meant very well could skew our belief system about how we're supposed to look therefore how we're supposed to eat if we've experienced trauma um, in the way that we don't feel safe in our bodies then sometimes we turn to food for comfort but food can help us attain a bigger body for protection or restricting food could make us invisible. You know, very often it would be that the person who restricts food is making the subconscious or unconscious statement that I don't need food, I don't need anybody to hurt me. What, what does that mean, they don't need food to hurt them? Well, they don't need, I don't need food and I don't need people that could in turn hurt me. Not that the food would hurt me, but the people. So food, comma. Okay. So it's just, it's, it's basically denying your, your basic needs. Okay. So, and then that's, that's conversation. That's offering tools. How do we get past that trauma, if you will, of all the connection to food and onto something different, maybe changing your focus to getting past that? Well, it starts, as I said, it starts with awareness, it starts with honoring your story for what it was, accepting your story, finding compassion for it and letting go of the parts that no longer serve. One of my favorite lines, quotes that I use with my clients, is that transformation is less about what we do to change and more about what we let go of in order to be the change. That's a big part of the work I do. What is it that you can let go of? What is it that you're holding on to? What is the, where is the attachment? Where is the reward in staying stuck in this behavior with food? That is clearly not serving you well. And then it becomes a matter of trust, right? We create meal plans. 
We, we create um, new rituals around food. We create tools that the client can rely on when he or she feels triggered. And that's going to look different for everybody. That's interesting. What is the reward for this behavior? What What is the reward and what are they looking for? Is it that comfort? Is it the comfort food and the aspect of feeling secure with food when there's difficult times arise? Well, we think that is comfort, but it's essentially an effort to numb, distract, or avoid from feeling the feelings that are so uncomfortable. You know, there are four there are four blocks to, to lasting recovery. The first has to do with self-worth, worthiness. And I'm talking about self-esteem. Self-esteem is about the job you have, the car you drive, the house you live in. I'm talking about inner self-worth, de- deservingness, that you deserve to be safe. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to feel at peace just because you're a human on this blessed earth. The second block has to do with a willingness to sit in the discomfort, the discomfort of feeling your feelings that you've decided are intolerable. So I help you see that you can face your feelings and the only way to face them is to let them come through you. And how do you do that? Is that through conversation with someone like yourself? It's through conversation, but it's also very often through movement. It's through body expression. It's through journaling. Talk therapy doesn't always work for everybody because there are people that really need to inhabit their bodies and just talking keeps, keeps you in your head. So it, it really depends, again, on the individual and, and the, the context of the issue that we're talking about. Uh, so it's, it's the ability to sit in that discomfort. Third block is mindset. Are you operating from a mindset of scarcity where you're thinking about what you don't have? You're thinking about the foods that you're, you think you need to give up. And, and scarcity usually is rooted in fear. Again, fear of what food will do to me versus a mindset of abundance. And looking at this as an opportunity to, to have a more expansive role on this earth. And that has, that has nothing to do with the size of your body. It's expanding your soul, opening yourself up to experience and being in the present moment. And when you're in that place, there's no room for fear. It's really a a place of love and not so much in the romantic sense, but just that feeling that you have when when you're connected to the best part of yourself. And then the fourth block is consistency. Staying consistent with these tools, staying on the path, even when it gets uncomfortable and, and realizing that you can be the most vibrant version of yourself. And that, so that consistency, from my standpoint, like that is, it's everything because it's very easy to weekend fast through two day cleanses. Like it's easy to go on the short term, but that consistent route of how do you coach or teach your clients to work on consistency? Trust, you need to trust themselves that by looking at that two day fast or this plan or that plan or what their soul cycles cousin did that helped them lose 30 pounds might not work for them. Um, I help my clients most by teaching them to eliminate the clutter, the mind clutter in their heads, listen to the symptoms that are messages that are 
our bodies are calling for attention and what are they telling us and looking at our hungers understanding the difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger what i like to call heart hunger or head hunger and staying with that and staying with that doing something every day to make your body feel alive honoring your body with movement instead of punishing it with exercise that's designed to make it go away and that's the story they tell themselves right yeah exactly and and you know what finally the seventh step of my seventh step signature framework is to make sure you nourish yourself with something that's totally outside of the kitchen what truly nourishes us when is not going to be found on the plate it's our relationships it's our purpose it's the kind of spirituality that speaks to you. It's movement that honors your body. It's finding your enough. Wow, that was fantastic, Mindy. <laughs> That's very deep. I like it. I love that yeah. kind of stuff. I know. We, we could keep going. It's it, it's really, it's it's been a lifelong journey for me. And um, one that I love to articulate. And I have to say that for every person that I am blessed to work with, it presents itself differently. Because as I said, everybody is unique. So we have to wrap things up here, but the last thing before I ask you the last thing, <laughs> it seems like, feels like it's it's work. You know, like we talk, I talked about achievements instead of goals recently in, a, in another live, for example, but you have to dig deep and you have to set yourself a plan and you have to, figure out what's holding you back and what's going to push you forward feels like this is similar in different in in many regards but you have to put in the work is that what holds people back from actually seeing changes in their life you know it's funny drew as you were describing that to me something came up for me and i think this is what it's all about it goes back to mindset it doesn't have to be work if you if, if we can approach transformation with that mindset of abundance looking at it as, a, as an opportunity rather than work then we're coming from a place of light rather than darkness i've been in the depths of despair i've been in the dark i i used to describe it as being in a sewer with a manhole cover slightly askew that i could like see the light but i didn't have the wherewithal to climb out but i've also been out I've been in the light and the only thing that was different was the way I was looking at what needed to be done that was the only difference and that made it so much easier and when I was in the light I was connected to that part of myself where I knew I was safe that I could always come home to that I didn't need to rely on anybody else because it was all within me it was perhaps my higher power but it was really my deepest self. It was nothing outside of myself. I didn't have to reach for anything other than what was already in me. All right, Mindy, we do have to wrap things up. Is there anything that we missed that you wanted to mention? Well, you know, I would just like to repeat what I said before, that transformation as we're exploring mind and body is less about what we do to change and more about what we let go of so that we can be the change. And when we be the change, we live the change, and then ultimately we see the change. I love that. So tell us about your website. Um, where can people learn more about you? How can they get a hold of you if they need to? Well, my practice is The Freedom Promise. And my website is thefreedompromise.com. And there you'll find a whole drop down of freebies 
where you have my guide, which is my seven steps to food freedom. If you want to take a deeper dive, there is a master class. And um, that master class also invites you to an online course if you're into self-study, where it's eight modules. I share my story, my vision for hope and healing, and it's really a wonderful experience. And then, of course, um, there's the opportunity to work with me one-on-one in the work with me drop down, but I'm available Mindy at the freedom If you care to email me and I am always open to hearing from you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mindy. We appreciate your time and expertise coming on exploring mind and body. Again, Drew, thanks for the opportunity. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. You can always find us on Facebook.com slash True Form Life. We post stuff there a couple times a day on our story. We're always trying to bring you more content around living a healthy lifestyle, whether that be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. We also have free challenges that we do at least once a month. So if you follow us along there, you'll be able to join maybe a plank challenge or a squat challenge, Tabata challenge whatever it may be we'd love to have you join us we're also on instagram.com slash drew tadia again we're posting up there a couple times a day along with our story all dedicated to keeping you fit and healthy and on track our main website is trueformlife.com if you want to check out some of our products some of our services or if you just want some great content from videos to blog posts and recipes and more we got all that at trueformlife.com once again thank you so much for being here that's it that's all i got i'm out of here as always i'm your host drew tadia in health and fitness for a better world thanks for listening you've been listening to exploring mind and body with true form life's drew tadia fitness expert to find out more about the show drew tadia or to listen to past shows visit exploringmindandbody.com